Welcome to the Donkey's Best Friend Podcast. I'm your host, Bobito, a.k.a. Bobito Mosquito, a.k.a. The Funk Soul Brother, a.k.a. Master B, a.k.a. Styles B, a.k.a. BMX. And you are listening to the 43rd episode of the podcast. Guys, to everybody who listened to this podcast, I'm immensely grateful for you, for your engagement, um, for, bro, honestly, like, if I'm not going to beat around the bush for just clicking um, play. Like, it means a lot. Um, and yeah, it does mean more when, like, you you, 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 you engage. But just clicking play and listening, like, even in silence. Because I, like, the people who engage, uh, the, the views don't match up. So, there are people just listening in silence. And that's, that's pretty dope to me. I'd love to know who you are because I'm positive I know you. At the very least, I think I do. So it would be great. But um, if not, man, I guess it's still dope. It is dope. Not I guess. I guess. But yeah, man. <laughs> today, today's been... I think today's been a good day. Today's been a good day, but this week has probably been a heavy week. Um, and not heavy in a bad way. I think sometimes heavy gets a bad rep or rap. <laughs> But just exhausting, exhausting week. Um, normally is, bro. It's like the end of a cycle. Um, so it comes with a lot of reflection. It comes with, yeah, it comes with a lot of reflection. That's where it comes from. That's where this feeling of weight comes from. Um, but yeah, like. I always, I always said in this podcast, there's always been references to my addiction and my recovery. Like, if you've listened from episode one, probably in episode one, there was. Um, but anytime, there's been, there's been many references sprinkled about around, and I've always said. I'll speak about this on another episode. And I always plan to speak about it this week. Whatever episode, whenever the episode came out, it would be this week. Uh, and the reason for that is it's my second sober birthday. So two years of sobriety. The 7th of fucking October, bro. That day will forever... It's more important to me at this point in my life um, than my birthday. By a long shot. Like my birthday's a day that I was born. Um, That's the significance of it. This day, on the other hand, is a day that I chose, like, I made a conscious and subconscious, a subconscious, conscious choice that maybe at the time I didn't understand fully, but I understood enough. No, what I understood was we cannot continue going about life like this. I actually made that choice on the 6th of October. But the 7th was different, and I'll explain why. Um, So let's go back to the 5th. We're going back to the 5th. Yeah, let's go to the 5th, and then we'll see where we go from there. So it's 5th of October, 2019. Um... I had just resigned from my job and in, in, so 
this had been two months or so in the making. Um, I had an offer from a close family friend um, to join a project, a tender project, um, as an FM. And I was like ecstatic at the opportunity. Um, but it was also like, like almost timing wise, the right time. And what I mean by the right time is I was completely burnt out, not only by the drugs and alcohol, but also just by the work I was doing. Um, I was done. Like there was nothing in it that kept me there. But I will say that the drugs and alcohol use and abuse let me rather say, that would be the more operative word, um, definitely took its toll on my, um, what's it called? Um, enthusiasm, work ethic, you know? So, just in general, in life, but career-wise, definitely was in the slums at the time. And it was a great opportunity uh, to learn on the on the job, but I didn't think I was ready for it. But that's neither here nor there. I spoke to some close friends, um, those who were, were in similar work already, um, just about whether would I have the aptitude to be able to perform this role? I have no experience in this role. I studied finance, but can I do this role? And the advice that I constant, consistently got was, bro, don't worry, you'll be good. Um, as long as you work at it, as long as you put in the work, the hours, you learn on the job, you learn off the job, which was a big thing that was kept on because I would be behind. Obviously, I'd need to take time in off the job to master this role. And that already was, like, uh, in my mind, like it all made sense. Like, yeah, that, that sounds good. But I already knew there was something that was taking a lot of my time. <laughs> I think these friends knew. Maybe not to the degree. And especially at this time. Because as drug use goes, it's, it's like a, a bell curve. So starts slow, starts going up, then skyrockets, and then sits at that peak. And then maybe at that peak, it goes up and down. Maybe it'll drop down like really low, like those times where you tell yourself, I'm done, or I'm taking a break, or this is too much, or whatever. And then the phone rings. Or maybe you pick up the phone. <laughs> and you're like, hey, man, why not? And you go back in. And yeah, so I'm at, I'm at this point, it's a really tricky, so I, 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 I decided to take the job, but before I handed my resignation, um, just waiting for like final confirmations and just all these kinds of things. When are we going to get started? All of this kind of stuff. And it keeps getting delayed, which is like not a great position to be in. It's like in limbo. Like, 
do you resign without really a confirmation like you've got verbal confirmation all of this kind of stuff but as anyone will tell you um then these fuck all <laughs> so i'll hold out on resigning um but i'm not really doing anything either <laughs> so all i am doing at this point is like maybe tending to the minuscule amount of work that i have at the time because i'm winding things down silently in the background um and then so this is the the project gets delayed again and i have to i have to not think to myself okay hold on bro hold on how long are you willing to wait on this project and not only that but what if it doesn't work out what 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 would you do if you weren't going to be doing this would you continue working the job that you're working at no that was like an immediate answer no you can't literally you will not be happy what happiness was even at this point was such an abstract idea to me because i didn't know i, I like i knew i wasn't happy but i don't know what would make me happy so i was just kind of grasping at straws like maybe that maybe this maybe that maybe that maybe that and the one thing that was consistent was the alcohol and drug abuse which was definitely not helping but it was like the only thing that was consistent and because of that it was the only thing that i could cling on to i was like okay well, fuck it you probably go back to school you probably go back and do your honors that would probably be what what you'd want to be able to do and at the very least you'd feel more comfortable taking on a role like this what do you think about that i like that idea let's go let's go back to school let's do it so cool uh i let the office sit on the table uh because obviously it's been delayed until something like november at this time so i'm like you know what uh Vossi will only start in jan feb so they'll get back to me when they do in the meantime i'm gonna resign and let's let's get geared up for for Vossi. but now we're in a, we're in a pretty tricky situation because i handed my resignation like middle of september for the end of september so immediately wind everything down and i'm pretty much done working middle of september maybe towards the end of september bro there's a lot of time that i'm not doing anything and as it's consistently being shown to me well actually that's not even that's not even true at this point there was probably never a time that I was not doing anything at all. Went from, from high school to varsity to working. There'd be times where things were quieter and, you know, maybe you were on leave, maybe you were on holiday, maybe office was closed, that kind of stuff, and you weren't doing anything. But those are like breaks. There's never a period of like months on end where you're just kicking it. So in my, in my mind, 
it was a time to reboot, recharge, get ready for the mental challenge of going back to varsity after having such a break out. Like probably at this time it was almost three years. So I was like, okay, what are you going to do? Well, of course, what you're going to do is to fucking go off and do drugs and party. And that's exactly what you're going to do. Not obviously saying this. <laughs> My mind, I'm going to relax and, you know, recharge or reboot. That's all I did. It was that and recovering from that. And in this cycle, it was probably a two-week cycle. Two-week cycle of that. 5th of October arrives. Party happening. I don't even know about the party, actually. That's not even... Let me let me kick off my day, how it goes completely. So my day, in, in the beginning, is my baby cousin's christening. Twins. So I go through. Kick with the fams. Like, just having a great, wholesome time. As wholesome as my times could be at this time because let me be clear this is as close to a rock bottom as i had ever felt now i say this because spoiler alert it's not the craziest story that's happened within my it wasn't like a stereotypical uh rock bottom where this and this happens holy shit you need to get your life in order or intervention you need to get your life in order you need to go to rehab you need to go to a tra- uh, a treatment center or whatever not a stereo just spoiler alert but anyway i'll get to why but yeah i had felt even though nothing insane maybe happened in this two-week period or so i felt like so disconnected to the person I am or I believe I am which not even disconnected I couldn't even see that person at this moment at this moment in time at that moment in time I didn't even know who that person is all I knew was the fiending kind of character who was in existence skinny as hell maybe not super skinny but Anybody who knows me knows that I stand at a very decent, healthy size. Like I look healthy. And maybe I didn't look like that. I can't even remember how my skin looked or anything like that. Probably didn't look healthy either. Eyes probably didn't look healthy. I, didn't, I probably didn't look as healthy as maybe I think I looked. <laughs> probably just had a good haircut. <laughs> But I go to my 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 niece and nephew, or not niece and nephew, baby cousins, uh, christening, kick with the fams, drinks start flowing, and all, and eventually the sun starts creeping down. And it's like, yo, where we at? And I highlight one of my boys. We like, alright, we're going to this and this party. So we go through to the party. I can't remember the name of the party. I didn't even know like what the name of the party was. I think I knew knew who was throwing it, that kind of thing, but like I didn't know much. It was an event, not a party. An event. Um and we go through this to this event. 
and we get there on levels and just so I'm I'm having I'm having what I assume or what I think is a good time. But most of them I'm just loaded. Just loaded. So there's like a shrugging of responsibility. And maybe that that's a good place to just intercede here. In terms of what what I maybe saw the appeal. What I saw what what was the appeal appeal of drugs to me? And I think the bigger the biggest appeal would be that drugs took away my inhibitions. Now, those who may not know me too well, even those who know me may think they know me. They know me. They know me. But that's the thing. Like, how well do you know anybody? But I don't know I've got I, I I always I I I maybe didn't see myself as having a lot of inhibitions until I started doing drugs and started seeing oh wait <laughs> there's quite a few things that maybe you weren't willing to attempt maybe there was something blocking you from doing things from doing certain things that's what an inhibition is maybe not as many or maybe not yeah maybe I don't have as many as most people but I did have a few and, a, and another big thing was the drug gave me confidence, bro. Like, so my drug of choice, I don't think I've even said it yet, was Coke. Uh, but don't get me twisted. Drug of choice meant that is a drug that I buy, that is a drug that I enjoy. But more often than, or let me not say more often, that's, that's a bit unfair. A lot, of, a lot of times, that wasn't the drug I took. I took all kinds of drugs. Um, no need to get into the details on which drugs today. Just Coke as the overarching idea of when I say drugs, think of that. Because it correlates to most of the things that I'm going to say. So, gives me all this confidence. Right. Um, that I I didn't have, which is like I knew that. I I I knew that for sure. Maybe I wasn't too vocal about it, because like you know those affirmation kind of things. Like you look at yourself in the mirror and you tell yourself certain things, but there's a voice inside that's like, nah, that's not true. <laughs> That's not true. You lie. <laughs> Where is he lying to me? You. <laughs> so yeah, there wasn't there wasn't an abundance of confidence. But you wouldn't tell that because, or maybe you would. That's the thing. There were people who would definitely be able to tell this. This dude, that's not real confidence. Confidence, conf, like that's not real confidence. I know confidence, and that's not that's not real confidence. I don't know what it is, but it's not real confidence. And those are people I hated to be around because it felt like they were looking right through me. Like, right, like I was a glass, like see-through. And it would make, you ma- make me mad and comfortable. So I just wouldn't be around those people. And drugs gave me 
a semblance of the confidence that I always wanted to embody. More so because they dis- they allowed me to deceive myself into thinking that the confidence that I was portraying to have was the confidence that I actually had. I don't know how chemically that works, but it's what happened. And I think more than anything, I was probably addicted to that. I was addicted to that and that feeling of of inhibitions, the feeling of letting go of control. Because when you're in control, you kind of have to look at everything as your actions. Everything you do, everything you don't do, all your failures, all of this, all of that, it's on you. When you're doing drugs, when you're getting drunk, when that kind of stuff, it's not on you. Nah, that's, that's that nigga. That's your boy. That's not me. That's your boy. <laughs> your boy is wildin'. That's not me. <laughs> so there's a there's there's a slight shift in accountability, and that's why they also speak about drug addiction being like the infanticizing of the youth, like or of people, like people not taking responsibility for their lives because they don't want to. Maybe they don't think they're capable to. Let me not speak. I like, I, I always do this. Let me speak about me because I don't want to. Maybe I don't think I'm capable of it. Maybe I, I don't think I, I'm capable. That's where that confidence comes in. I, maybe I, I think I'm a fraud. Maybe I, I know I'm a fraud. I don't, I can't do this shit. When I say this shit, I mean life in general. To get a bit dark for a second. Um, friends of mine know this. Very close friends of mine. Only. But in like the worst, worst times of my drug abuse, I definitely had like, I remember, I, I remember the first time I thought about, there were two times, two very real times that I thought it would be better not to be here. The thought wasn't necessarily killing myself. But it would be better not to be here. Just what... What is this that you're doing? What is this life that you're living? What is this? So... I remember... I can't remember how or when it came up. But I told one of my best friends... About a thought I had. And what scared me, maybe mostly, was how that thought like created an, it was like once once it once it happened, it was there. It was that like now we know. You know and I know. And I'm talking about me. You and that's the thing. You I, I I'm crazy like that. I talk to myself a lot in that kind of way. Which is probably why it's so easy to do a single man podcast. But I'll talk to myself like that. It's like you know and I know. We know now. This is what you think. I'll never let you forget it. That's maybe... I don't know. The dude who... Yeah, I don't know. Let me just finish the thought. That's maybe the dude... So I kind of see... See myself. Especially at this point. Maybe not completely as a split personality. But there's definitely another dude. That's lurking there. And that dude... Doesn't want... The dude speaking right now, the guy who's maybe in charge, 
doesn't want this dude to win. Doesn't want him to be happy. Doesn't want him to do the things that he wants to do. Maybe he does, but not at the expense of what he wants. What he wants is everything. Now. He wants drugs. He wants to drink. He wants sex. He wants adoration. He wants... He just wants all... He wants excess. But he's not willing to put in the work on a day-to-day to get there. He wants it now. And if he can't get it now, then darkness. Just pure darkness. Not only that, but he doesn't even know why he wants it. So even when he gets touches of it, it doesn't satisfy him. Does that make sense? So he can get everything that he was craving. Just satisfying these like animalistic urges. Can get it all. And still feel like it has no purpose. It's better not to be here. So once that thought had crossed over, it's like, oh shit, we're in trouble. And there was a friend of mine, there is a friend of mine, who's always been in a safe place to, to voice these kinds of things. Maybe just a soundboard. Because you never had answers. What the fuck kind of answer do you, ta- do you say to a friend who comes to you with something like that? not much you can say but he was there and he listened he still is there and he still listened love that motherfucker to death and he told a, a few of our other close friends and they only brought it up to me at relevant times at the right times for some reason i don't even know like fuck it's like tele telepathic like yo bro like this came up are you good bro and the answer would always be, yeah, man, like it would be something something to, 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 to cover dirt over the issue. Like, yo, yo, yeah, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. No, don't worry, it was just like this and this and that, you know, I'm good, bro, I'm good. You know, fighting demons, and it's part of life, whatever. That wasn't the truth at all. Of course it wasn't. Look at where we at. So... I can't remember how I gotcha. I think I was talking about being at that party, at that event, and thinking to myself, I'm having a time or whatever. I don't don't even think it was any of a conscious thought. But I'm at this event. Two things happen. Maybe three things. We can count three things. But two pivotal things. So the one thing is a dude that I don't really know that well. I know of more so. And I respect. And I see him and as I said, coke, drugs, give me a false sense of confidence. Or at least deceive myself and think I've got this confidence. So I go straight up to this dude and I'm like, yo, what's up, man? And he's like, oh, bobo. And I'm like, what? You know me, he's like, dog, how am I not supposed to know you, dog? 
come, what you mean, dog? What's up, dog? How you doing? I'm like, man, I'm good. And we have a conversation. As the conversation starts to, to go, we're just talking about shit. I can't, I can't fucking remember. But I leave that conversation and I'm like, man, I don't think, I don't think I am who he thinks I am. That's pretty fucked up. And this was a thought that had been consistently also, just like the other thoughts that I was talking about a bit earlier. Where did he get this image of me? Oh, he got it from social media. Are you lying? No, you're not. You're not lying on social media. Well, are you nitpicking? Or maybe not nitpicking, but are you curating the best part of your life? And thereby creating a false sense of who you are. A false sense of the life that you're living. Yeah. Is that a bad thing? And that's not even... Let me not say that. Let me, oh, let me not phrase it like that because that would make it seem like it wasn't conscious. Bullshit. No ways. It was so conscious. I used to speak to about it to my friends. Like, niggas, perception, dog. Perception. Perception is so important. People need to perceive you in a certain way. That opens doors. And I wasn't wrong. That opens doors. That opens opportunities. People perceive you in a certain way. So what you need to do, so at this point, I wouldn't say I was a master of it, but at least for my own purposes, I've done well at it. Obviously, I'm talking to a guy who I respect and admire, and he seems to have the same respect and admiration for me, at least seems to on the surface, which yet again, perception. He knows, just like I knew as well, that sometimes, and I still know this, sometimes the best way to get the desired outcome from somebody is to give them a sense that they're adored. Everybody knows this. Everybody knows that. that but some people just don't put it into action. He might have been doing the same thing to me. I'm only now just thinking about that. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> um, but yeah. It's just hitting me that he doesn't seem like he's friending. He seems like he's, he's living the life that he's supposed to be living. Like that he, you know, portrays to be living. Which could or could not be true. Who knows, bro? I'm walking away. Kind of like that's put a damper, a little bit of a damper, not too much. I mean, bro, I'm on levels, as I said. These things flow. Like they go up and down, up and down. And then... Excuse me. The next moment was the one that really shook the ground for me. I walked back into the venue. So this was the outside section. I was having a cigarette with this guy. So walk outside. Walk back into like the actual venue, and I see somebody that I hadn't seen in two years, just over two years. First time I saw this guy was around April 2017, and why that is. April, May 17, 2017, maybe even June. Let's call it between April and June 2017. 
reason why I know this was because it was the first time that I had ever thought, bro, you might have an issue. It wasn't long after I had started regular drug use. But it was like, oh shit, you might have an issue. You might need to sort this out immediately. So what I did was I went to an NA meeting. I went to the first one I could find that suited my schedule and I went to it. And I got there and they were telling me all all kinds of things. So I'm gonna read out some of the some of the things that they were telling me. Just because I think it'll be an interesting um an interesting exercise of how this journey began or at least had a false start <laughs> back then and I'll, I'll i'll try my i'll do my best to explain why it had a false start but it did have a false start definitely because i go to this meeting and i take my seat and as with all meetings they all na meetings they are very um newcomer centric like they're very sensitive anything on newcomers to make sure that newcomers feel welcome and they understand why they're there and why it's important for them to come back why it's important why why the program works what are the tenants of the program and Fuck, my phone's uh, fucking out. The storm is just putting my signal in the pit. So I'll come back to this. Oh, wait. Here we go. Here we go. No, no. Uh, okay, wait. Are we here? Are we here? Okay. My phone is in the pit at the moment. We'll, we'll figure this shit out. <laughs> but anyway, so they're very... They're very... Um, Uh, newcomer centric and I realized this immediately I think I was the only newcomer in that meeting so all eyes were on me because they asked like are there any newcomers please put, raise your hand and it's like oh shit and not only that but I knew somebody in the meeting like immediately when I walked in I was like oh, oh when I arrived I was like oh shit your worst fear is that you'd see somebody that you know and they'd know and you'd know so that happened. <laughs> so now this person is looking at me like, yo. <laughs> you gonna raise your hand or what, dog? <laughs> so I raised my hand. And from that moment on, there's like a kind of... Maybe I was just very self-conscious. And that, that's probably the case. Uh, but I'm gonna speak from my perspective on that day. And I'm just hearing like, yo... Uh, oh, I'm seeing, like, it feels like all of a sudden eyes are on me. And, like, like it's, it's, it feels like I'm getting sucked into something that maybe I don't fully want to be in. And it's not that I didn't want to recover, maybe. But it's more so what they were telling me I would need to do was... A daunting task, especially for somebody who 
kind of didn't want to. I realized I had a problem, but I wanted to manage the problem. I didn't want to get rid of it. I didn't want to not do drugs or alcohol. Like, not really. So, I kind of went there <laughs> with false, false, in, false intent. Like, I just wanted them to tell me how I can do them in a manageable way. <laughs> and obviously, that's not what I got. I got hard... Like, this works, but you have to do it this way. And it was like, no, nigga, what? <laughs> but it wasn't completely that yet. Especially because it was such a welcoming environment that it felt maybe a bit rude to spit in the face of those who are really putting in the work. So after this meeting... Um, we all go go and grab some coffee. Uh, the meeting was on like a Wednesday or Thursday. So, uh, what I've seen over my two years is that Wednesday, Thursday evening meetings, Friday evening meetings, Saturday evening meetings, we'll normally have coffee afterwards. Um, and the reason for that is just kind of to run down the clock. <laughs> just hey, man. Like, I don't, we don't know, nobody knows where anyone else is really standing at that moment. Uh, but we're safest with each other. So let us go out and, you know, kick it and socialize as, as homies. So that by the time we leave, anything that you may want, anything that you wanted to have done, like detrimental, uh, score from a dealer, go out to a bar, you're not going to want to do anymore. You're just going to want to go home. You're tired. So it's just like small things like that that help you um, make the right decisions. And that was one of those days. I made the right decision. And while I'm there, this dude who spoke also at the meeting. He, so there's obviously sharing period in the, in the meeting where people just talk about what's on their minds. And I remember this vividly. He spoke about the fact that he didn't get, I think at this point, he was probably around three years sober. And he spoke about how life had been getting... I think he was speaking directly to me. Maybe he wasn't. He probably wasn't. But that's the thing with shares in meetings. People speak in a way that all of us understand. But you're speaking from like somewhere deep inside you. But you're being heard by people who... Or deep inside you. Pause. <laughs> and. Um, he was speaking about. How. He didn't get sober to. Self-flagellate. He didn't get sober. To. Like. Punish himself. He got sober to. Enjoy life more. To do better. To be better. To really experience life. He put in the terms of jolling. Like he still goes out to parties. He still goes out to festivals, things like that. He didn't do he didn't get sober so he doesn't enjoy things that he really enjoyed. It was always interesting to me. Or I, I thought about it and I was like, how do you enjoy this shit? <laughs> without the main ingredient, at least to me at the time? Like, come on, dog, what you mean? <laughs> what you talking about, bro? Nah, you you lying, bro. <laughs> I didn't think this. 
at the time. But it didn't, I didn't think he was lying. But as you can imagine, it didn't make complete sense to me either. So we're at this, we're at this coffee spot, man. And we're just talking. And immediately we find out that we have a mutual friend. And so already that's now two people who have links to me. But a big part of the, 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 the NA um, program fellowship rather than me rather say is anonymity narcotics anonymous i don't snitch on you you don't snitch on me and that's something that i've always stuck to it's vital because everybody needs that safety everybody we all need that space bro we all need it, it it's vital for our recovery without it jesus i don't even know where i'd be so he never said anything. Unless he did and never came out. But I trust that he never did. And I never did. But we're both very open in our own lives about our um, affliction, addiction. We have to be. That's the thing. A lot of people say to me, bro, you're so honest and you're so brave about just speaking about this shit. Bro, I have to. For me. It's selfish. <laughs> it's not for you <laughs> I mean if it does you good That's great But for me dude I can't live in the shadows anymore I can't live in the dark I can't Bad shit happens there I gotta live in the light I gotta live in what is the truth about me The truth about me is I'm a fucking addict <laughs> Recovering addict though <laughs> But yeah man So he was so fucking warm to me bro That day That man Just just a G, bro. Just a real G. Just like... He probably... Him and my assigned sponsor. My first assigned sponsor. Were probably the reason I went to the next meeting. And I went to the next meeting. And anybody will tell you who's been to an, an NA program. Uh, there's a 30-day rule immediately. So there's the 12 steps, which I'll get into in a second. Um... There's 12 steps and there's what you can call ad hocs, tenets, like just rules of engagement kind of thing. Your, 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 your sponsor will normally put you on them. So first one is simple. For the first 30 days, go to as many meetings a day, uh, as many meetings as you can, preferably a meeting a day. Um, second, don't speak. For the first month. Just don't speak at meetings. Maybe after meetings and that kind of shit. But don't raise your hand to share. Because you're not really in a space yet. To You should. Let me rather not say you're not in a space to share. But you're rather in a space to listen. Listen. Listen and listen for similarities. Not differences. So that was the one that I broke. But I didn't know that I broke it yet. Because when I did speak. And I spoke. Like. Kind of an un, unwritten rule. That you don't really speak about your current cravings. Like maybe you can speak about a crave. Like, and that's the thing. It's an unwritten rule. Like it's maybe not even said. Uh, and maybe it's because. Maybe it's just what we what we kind of expect. It's like so, it's social norms. Like you don't go to an NA program and say. Hey man. I'm trying to do drugs. But I'm here rather. Well, I want to do drugs. Well actually you do. 
You do whatever, bro. You share whatever you want to share. Let me start putting my own fucking sauce in this shit. I'm just speaking about my experience, not about the program um, and how it should be done. I'm not an expert. Let me let me say that. Um, but anyway, so go to go to go to more meetings and oh yeah, no, I was telling I was telling you guys about the tenets. So they're like unwritten rules, and one of them is uh, don't have sex for a year. Don't have sex. Don't don't get into any romantic relationships. Um, it's not really part of the twelve steps. I think it's the thirteenth step. Just don't, or you shouldn't, because uh, there's this thing called transference. Or yeah, I think it's called transference, where you take your addiction and you just transfer it to somebody. And now you're basically addicted to that person or you like you become dependent on that person. When in actuality you should be learning to be self-sufficient. Should be reprogramming yourself, not necessarily. And you can't do that. You can't, I don't know. It's like, that's why it's not really in the program. Because different strokes for different folks kind of thing. But it is normally like advised don't get into a relationship for if you can avoid it if you can't life happens man but as many an addict will tell you a relapse has maybe come from that so when i heard it immediately i was like okay night night nigga <laughs> in my mind i was like okay i'll give it a shot everything that i was hearing i was thinking to myself i'll give a shot deep down i knew i wasn't giving it a shot because how serious do you have to be to really change your life like this? How fucking desperate must you be? So, long story short, I eventually relapsed. Um, it comes from me being out with a few friends. I'm telling them, like, I'm not drinking. And let me just, before I say this, there's, an, there's another caveat or another tenet or like little like ad hoc rule that you shouldn't go to the same places, see the same people who do the same things. And I did all three when I relapsed. Now, I'll break it down for you. So I'm out, the few friends at somewhere that we always go, drinking, day drinking, Disguised as grabbing something to eat and drinks and with the same people. And drinks start coming. Beers, this and that. Beers are all chilled, whatever. Good. Shots start coming. One round of shots. Two rounds. And the third round of shots got me. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to have one. So I have the shot. And as I have the shot, waiter's like, oh, you've done your, your Coke, um, Coca-Cola. What would you what would you like? Uh, can I have a hunter draft? <laughs> and everyone starts laughing. I'm like, fuck it, man. We're here now. Later on that night, end up doing drugs. Cool. Straight back in. Now in this time, my my sponsor at the time had had provided me with some of the literature for the program. But mainly had started me on step work. And what step work is, is the corresponding 
uh, kind of homework if you can consider it, but more so the work that you have to do to consider yourself really putting the program to work. Because the program is a is an active program. It's not like yo, I'm in the program and like that's all. Like I just go to meetings and that's it. Nah, you have to work daily to stay sober. So I'm gonna read to you guys, and uh, this is uh, like at least technology won't fail me because this is out of a book. I'll get to the book in a second. Um, but we'll get to the twelve steps. So. The 12 steps in each of these, each step has like corresponding activities that you need to complete before you can consider the step completed. And you do this with the help of your sponsor. Um, so the first step is we admitted that we were powerless over our addiction that our lives had become unmanageable. So I'd kind of, you could say half done that. So already off to a bad stop, a start at this point. Kind of off to a bad start. We came, the second step, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Bullshit, what power greater than me? What, God? Uh, no way. No. Aight, aight, dog. Or what, if you're not talking about God, who are you talking about? Another man? No. So already, arrogance and all these kinds of things are reigning supreme in my so-called recovery. I didn't even make it that far, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I'd read the full steps and just got disheartened whilst even doing the work just disheartened and then eventually the relapse happened the relapse happened the first day i went into that meeting and thought i don't know about this but anyway we made a decision third step we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of god as we understood him again like what okay fourth step we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves all right nigga so what i gotta look and think about my morals Okay, hell no, mad scary. <laughs> I gotta look myself in the mirror and really ask myself, what do you stand for? Who are you? What, like, you know what I mean? Nah, not happening. Five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. As I told you, that first meeting, I was like, so scared that anybody would know so now i've got to willingly go and tell people what no ways <laughs> but my closest friends who obviously yeah my closest friends knew um six we're entirely ready to have god remove all these defects of character it's still that whole spiritual thing like yo what you mean bruh that was, that was what was blocking me. Seven, we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Okay. Eight, we made a list of all the all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. What? Bro, do you know how long that list would be? Nah, stop it. All right, nigga. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay, nah. Just slowly becoming like, oh shit, they, they're not just going to let me walk in here and be sober they expect me to fix shit oh no bro i'm used to breaking shit <laughs> um nine we made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others ten 
We continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. <sighs> Takes a strong person to daily do this, bro. 11. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve... We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. All right, man. Whatever you say. <laughs> At this point, I'm already despondent. Like, I'm telling you about the, the, the first time, yeah. And step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening and as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs. God damn it, bro. So now, not only do I have to do all of this, but I got to recruit. I got to recruit. I got to tell people to stop doing something that they love doing and trying to convince them that there's a better way. I don't even believe that there's a better way yet. You have not convinced me yet. So that is such a far-fetched idea to me at this point. And yeah. But it started with the first step. I hadn't fully bought in. I hadn't admitted that I was powerless and over my addiction and that my life had become unmanageable. No, like I said, I wanted to manage it. <laughs> I wanted to manage my drug use. That's all I wanted. And if I couldn't do that, then we'd just figure it out how we've been figuring it out. So that's 2017, man. And I don't come into contact with this guy except once in passing through this mutual friend of ours. But obviously I was sober at that time. Sober being like I was not on any drugs or alcohol at the time. Do you get what I mean? So, maybe you could see it's possible. Probably not. I don't know. That I was, uh, that I was back or I was using or whatever. I don't know. But fast forward. I see this dude at this party. And he looks amazing dog he's shining shit is just he looks great bro see it again i go straight up to him like yo what's up man yeah what's up he's like hey man what's up and immediately i feel like i'm in a confession like booth and i'm just like hey man <laughs> you know i've been i've been i've been using and he's like Oh shit man For how long I was like yo man Not too long after you saw me He's like oh damn man I'm, Actually Actually I'm probably reading too much into Like I'm, I'm I'm putting words in his mouth How I remember him being Was super supportive bro Like not Not a drop in demeanor Not a drop of shoulders Not a shunning Nothing bro I had all the time in the world for me He's like bro it's okay Like it's chilled dog It's chilled Don't worry about it So I'm like and you Kind of hoping that he says Yeah me too He's like, no, no, I've been sober, bro. Going on four years or something at the time. I was like, jeez, dog. Congrats. He's like, yeah, and we just carried on speaking for a second. As I said, he had all the time in the world. He didn't seem like he needed to go anywhere, whatever. In fact, I probably cut the conversation short. And that was just a moment like, yo, bro. Look at what being sober since you last saw him has done for this man. But anyway, I continue partying or whatever, but it stuck with me. Next morning, I'm like, nah, nigga. Obviously, fighting demons, like, just the 
fucking so that's so this this is 6th of october not morning afternoon obviously we go party until like 6 a.m so no maybe not 6 it wasn't the 6 a.m maybe 4 a.m so it's sunday the 6th of october but obviously i still had drugs and alcohol on the 6th that morning very early like 2 1 a.m so i wake up later on on the 6th and i'm like this shit needs to stop that's the immediate thought but that's always the immediate thought like that's nothing new that's nothing different I had this thought before we've been down this road and i've seen this movie before cool stay in bed pretty much the whole day don't do shit monday not a very different day but at least the 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 effects are starting to wear down but in my mind is still fuck no we're not going we're not doing this shit again we're not tuesday we're still not Wednesday, okay, now we're getting to the danger zone. <laughs> now we're getting to the danger zone. This is where this is where shit gets haywire. We're not. Thursday, we're not, dog. I told you we're not. Friday, we're not. Okay, but we've been down this road before. I've made it probably a month, maybe even closer to two months sober before. So we've been down this road before. This ain't, this ain't new, new territory. This is a week. Not even a week yet. We'll make it to a week. Cool. And now, we get to the point where, okay, well, what are we doing in this time that we're sober? How are we going to occupy our time? How are we going to occupy our energy? Well, let's read. Let's, bro, when last did you read? Not read for knowledge, like, of financial, like, like, Maybe, I don't know, markets, whatever. When last did you just read, dog? Or like read for like tax law or something like that. When last did you just read? It's like, God damn, it's been a minute. Don't you have a book that you bought that you never read? I've got quite a few books that I bought that I never read. I think it's time to read them. I think so too, my dog. Pull out one of them, start reading. Holy shit. I miss this, man. I miss being transported. I miss having maybe no inhibition. But not the no inhibition that I was like having when I was partying. But just my brain, my imagination. I miss being transported. And just that sense of wonder. I miss this. Cool. Try that book really quickly. Read another one. Read another one. Reread a book that I really loved read another book and then while i'm going through this pile of books that i have a book hits me a book that i bought in 2018 i bought it at a time when i was trying to become sober i didn't try na this time because obviously i was still probably holding a bit of resentment about the, how the last time went that was my own nonsense but at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm sober for a minute now. It was around June 20, 2018. Shit is going well. I've also cut contact, at least immediate contact with a lot of my friends. Not because it was their fault, but just maybe I need to be alone right now. And I'm in a bookstore and I buy this book. 
And the book is called Recovery, Freedom from Our Addictions by Russell Brand. I started reading it at that time. And I remember thinking to myself when I was reading this book. I remember, I remember almost vividly reading something that said, if you're not ready to do this, and put this fucking book down. And I did. Which is kind of contradictory to everything I was trying to do. But there goes that power of the addiction, the disease. The disease will stop you from doing things that you know are for your benefit. And yet again, I say, I thought I read something like that. I read this book again. I had never read anything like that. <laughs> I was looking for an out. At any given point. But what really drew me to this book. And that's the thing. I didn't go into the bookstore looking for a recovery book. I just went into a, book looking for a bookstore looking for a book for that weekend. Um, as I told you. I'd cut all co- like um, contact. And I was kind of kicking it with my pops. Who at the time was going through dialysis. This was May actually. This was April going into May. Because... As I said, I'd been sober for probably a month and a bit at the time. And um, yeah, so I picked up this book. And that weekend I stopped reading it and started reading another book. And still sober, still exercising, still, you know, taking care of myself, eating well, all that kind of shit. Spending time with the family. And then my dad got sick and um, this was something that was regular. He normally got sick. Um. Uh, and my routine around that time became uh, go to gym in the morning go to work on the way home go visit dad get home sleep wake up go to gym in the morning and that was my routine and so I was spending a lot of time with my dad and I was and we always had a really close relationship I mean I speak about this every now and then on the podcast and we eventually get to the point um, where he gets discharged. But he got like discharged like he went from the ICU to like he was discharged immediately from the ICU. And he was on like he was on like dialysis. Like so it was like, yo, look, I'd make sense. But like it's kind of like. I didn't even need to need it to make sense. My dad was home, and that means he's getting better, at least for now. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like, I wasn't delusional to the fact that he'd make a full recovery. He was old at the time, but he's coming home, and that's that's all that matters right now, at least. This was Friday that he came home, because I remember I was going, I was about to go visit him and my mom told me no he's at home uh they released him this morning i was like yes hey dope away so i went home saturday uh he took a nasty spill hit his head and just was like kind of not really like it was almost like he was concussed i think my mom took him to the hospital i can't remember but it was kind of like a, don't worry about it, don't worry, we got this, like, you just do the plans that you had for the day, we'll see you a bit later. And I think I'll summarize this to that night he passed away. Um, we were all there, we all saw it happen. 
and broke down immediately fucking bawling the whole family but none of us could understand none of us like we just destroyed and then immediately afterwards it becomes yo let's put in the work we gotta we gotta bury the old man we gotta get this done so that became the focus and i forgot to say this but it's it's maybe relevant right now in varsity my first two years i was fucking out um i had no semblance of responsibility um i wasn't working and i was just partying but at the end of the second year i managed to pull it together enough to stay in my course but like by the skin of my teeth i would need to repeat a lot of modules and uh, and by this time i wasn't using drugs let me just say this, this was purely alcohol which by goes into just why i don't drink either just alcohol can destroy my life anyway so pull it together enough and my dad is like mad worried because this is no resemblance of the boba that he's always known what the fuck is going on so how is that one of his friend's sons who i've always looked up to and tells him like yo bro you need to speak to this dude like you need to he needs like i don't know if i can do it i don't know if he's gonna hear me maybe you need to speak to him i don't know I don't know how that conversation went. I wasn't there for it. But he comes and he picks me up. And when he picks me up, he's got a, ca- a six-pack of beers. He's drinking one. He gives me one. I'm like, oh, shit, we partying. All right, easy. Get in the car. And immediately the chat starts. Oh, no. First, we're just chatting about music. He's playing me some, like, fucking, like, weird. That's the only way I can describe it. The weirdest underground hip-hop i've ever heard at that time like i listened to all kinds of hip-hop and shit but that shit was like okay dude you're taking it a bit far <laughs> but anyway we get to his place and um he's having a huge party his, his parents place he was house sitting he's having a huge party so he takes me through the party beautiful woman just drinks and things all over and He's like, nah, I gotta speak to this dude. Like, he'll be back in a second. I just gotta highlight him. And we go to a quiet space. And he's like, listen, bro. Your dad's been telling me that you're fucking out of school. He's like, listen, bro. Look around you. Dude, does it look like I'm not having the time of my life? I'm like, yeah. It looks like you're fucking enjoying the shit out of your life. He's like, yeah. You know what the difference between me and you is? I earn it. Nobody can tell me what to do with my life. Or how to live my life. When I am doing what everybody expects me to do. If you do that, anything you do in your own time is whatever you want to do. Look at your pops. Look at, all, look at my pops. Look at all of the men that you know who are successful. They are almost able to do whatever they want outside of what they do because they do what they need to do. You get me? I'm like, oh shit. Are those the rules of engagement? I just got to do this this and this and then i can do what i'm doing now yeah word i got you dog and i took that and ran with it my third year was a resurrection like no other started like 
I wouldn't say killing shit, but from where I was to where I ended up in my third year, which was basically a repeat of my second year, was incredible. My final year was just like, what the fuck? Like, this, this should have been the dude who was in varsity the whole time. I say this to mention because right now we got a task at hand. This mentality actually also to remind you, the first, so the beginning of my third year, I stopped drinking, stopped doing, uh, I wasn't doing drugs, but I was smoking weed. Stopped doing that. Stopped everything and um, did something that became a pattern with me. Stop everything, isolate, work hard, get through what you need to do, then start enjoying, then start celebrating. But first do, then party. You get what I mean? Work hard, play hard kind of attitude. That's where it began. So now we got a task to do. We got to bury my pops. So I can't even think about drinking or anything. And I wasn't even thinking about it. There were spots and times, you know, like when someone's passed away, people are drinking at this and this time or whatever, whatever. And it just wasn't. I had shit to do. I had to go and pick out the casket. I had to go um, sort out the... There was so much, bro. Like, I don't even... Like, there was just so much that needed to be done. And obviously, my mom was mourning cr- crazy. Um, brother and sister also helped out. But I definitely took the, the bulk of it. I wanted to. There was no other way that needed to be done. I needed it. I needed to. But the day that we put my dad into the ground, we buried him, gave my eulogy, and the after tears arrived. And I can't say like how much it meant to me that so many of my friends showed up. And afterwards, it's the after tears. So what do we do? We go to the liquor store. And everyone's telling me, bro, we know you're sober, but you know, like of all times, this might be a decent time. Or that might be an okay time. And it fits the model that I'd been living my life by at that point. Yo. You've done what you needed to do. You can do what you want to do. So I do what I want to do. And we drink the whole day, the rest of the day. Evening starts coming around. And I just realized, yeah, we're back. Maybe not consciously at the time, but it was definitely there. And that began a spiral, a slow descent that was harrowing to have lived. But we get to the point where I'm at this party, at this crossroads in career, studies, all this kind of shit. It's all up in the air. The only thing I know is I'm studying next year. It's the only thing I know for certain. And I see this guy and I've made the decision. Oh yeah, I spoke about that. And I find this book and I pick it up and I start reading it again. And I just want to read something that made me, I was, I was sitting, I was lying down on my bed reading it and I read this and I literally sat the fuck up and I was like, holy shit, this dude gets it. So first I'll read the back of the book because he describes the 12 steps in a way that immediately I I resonated with. I could I could get this. This I could this I could understand. So his twelve steps, and it's just a it's just a colloquial way of pr- describing the twelve steps. But his twelve steps are: 
Step number one. Are you a bit fucked up? Oh, 1000%. <laughs> I can easily agree to that. Two, could you not be fucked? Well, I was at one point. I'd hope that that's... Yes, yes. That I'd like to not be fucked up. Three, are you not? Are you on your own going to unfuck yourself? No, not a fuck. I've tried this. We've tried this consistently. I'm not going to. It's not possible. Four, write down all the things that are fucking you up or have ever fucked you up and don't lie or leave anything out. Whew, it's going to be difficult, but yo, bro, I got some shit that I want to write down, some shit that I got to get off my chest. I can do that. Five, honestly, tell someone trustworthy about how fucked you up. Been doing that, uh, but obviously intoxicated at the times, most of the times, but I can do that sober. But maybe it'll it'll take working to it. Maybe that's why it's the first step. You know what? This this is making more sense. Six. Well, that's a lot of fucked up patterns. Do you want to stop it? Seriously, for sure, dog. That's why I'm fucking here. I do. I do want to stop it, dog. I need to. Um. Seven. Are you willing to live in a way that's not all about you and your previous fucked up stuff? You have to. I. Bro, please. Please, I just saw this motherfucker enjoying the best times of his life, bruh. I need to be able to live like that. I have to. Yes. Eight, prepare to apologize to everyone for everything affected by your being so fucked up. Ah. Yet again, it's going to be a bit tough. But I think as a man, I need to be prepared to do that. I got you. I can do that. Nine, now apologize. Unless that would make things worse. Fair enough. I don't want to get punched in the face. You're right. 10. Watch out for fucked up thinking and behaviors and be honest when it happens. Ooh. That's my shit. <laughs> that is my shit. Today, I'm crushing that. At this point in my life. We're not even there yet. But at this point in my life, I'm crushing that. 11. Stay connected to your new perspective. I have to. Every fucking day. Lockdown was the greatest thing for me for that. Because ain't no fucking distractions. Just me, my work, and my growth. Perfect. 12. Look at life less selfishly. Be nice to everyone. Help if you can. This one is the one that I'm trying. But it's the one that is probably still even looking at it there. It's difficult. But anyway. That thing that I read. So here it is. Um, I'm not writing this book because I think I'm better than you. This, so this is Russell Brown speaking. I'm not writing this book because I think I'm better than you. I know I'm worse. I've spasmed and spluttered through life, molded by unconscious drives, temporarily fixing in a way so crude and ineffectual that the phenomenon is conveniently observable. The condition in extreme is identifiable, but the less obvious version of addiction is still painful and arguably worse because we simply adapt to live in pain and never countenance the beautiful truth there is a solution we adapt to the misery of an unloving home unfulfilling work empty empty friendships and naked alienation the 12-step program which has saved my life will change the life of anybody who embraces it I've seen it work many times with people with addiction issues of every hue. Drugs, sex, relationships, food, work, smoking, alcohol, technology, porno pornography, hoarding, gambling, everything. 
because the instinct that drives the compulsion is universal. It is an attempt to solve the problem of disconnection, alienation, and and tippered despair. Because the problem is ultimately being human in an environment that is curiously ill-equipped to deal with the challenges that it entails. We are all on the addiction scale. Those of us... Now, this is where I set the fuck up. I was like, holy shit. Sneakers in his bag. (laughs) Those of us born with clear-cut and blatant substance addictions are in many ways the lucky ones. We alcoholics and junkies have minimized our mystery to tiny cycles of craving and fulfillment. Our pattern is easy to observe and therefore with commitment and help easier to resolve. If your personal pattern happens to be on the addiction equivalent of the long-form contract as opposed to a short grift, it can take ages to know just what your problem is. If you're addicted to bad relationships, bad food, abusive bosses, conflict, or pornography, it can take a lifetime to spot the problem. And apparently a lifetime is all we have. This book is not just about extremists like me. No, this book is about you. So that might be a message to anybody listening about any other addictions or any other problems. But... When he told me that, bro, we know what the issue is, dog. We know, we know, we know at the very least what they, like, we can see it, dog. And someone else in the book, he speaks about how lucky we are to have found something to cope. And I was like, bro, you're right, dog. Like, how fucking, like, what if I never found drugs or alcohol? Would I have been better off? Would I just not, what would have happened? I don't know. I don't know. But now that we found this thing and it's made life bearable in some way, shape, or form, it's also made life untenable in some way, shape, or form. So that's just... I read that, bro, and it was like a gateway. And then I went to my first meeting. So this is three weeks sober, two weeks sober, two weeks sober. This is two weeks sober. I went to my first meeting in a long-ass time. And immediately when I got to that meeting, I could see that there was a there was a change. When they were reading out the preambles, talk about newcomers, all this kind of shit, that when I first went to that meeting, I was like, ooh, you're asking a lot from me, you're whatever. I was like, that. You need to do this, Psh, easy. You need to do that, I got you. You need, uh, what else, dog? Just name it. Just let me know what I got to do, bro. I will do it all. I will do it all. And... That was the attitude that I came into the program with the second time around. And that's the attitude that I've had until this day. I I still feel like it was almost yesterday that that day happened. But what happened was a slow shift. And I'll talk about maybe the shifts and the, the, the recovery maybe in another episode. But, or the journey of recovery. But I'll say that attitude, that change was paramount to where I am today. So if you're listening, because you know who you are, we've spoken about this many times. For that moment in that fucking event, that club, thank you. You you know we've spoken, thank you, dog. And to anybody who's been with me on this journey, my many sponsors, uh, my friends that I've made in recovery, thank you. Just thank you. Like, um, yeah, 
Thank you. So I did ask on Instagram uh, for people to just, sorry if this episode is long, bro. I can expect it. It, it probably might be. <laughs> but I asked on Instagram uh, if people could just hit me up with um, some of their um, maybe maybe questions that that they have about about recovery um either for me or just in, in in general about recovery and addiction um so yeah i'll get into that now and yeah so the first one is uh hold on i'm just trying to why can't i see it okay so the first one is did you go to a treatment or rehabilitation center? So I don't know if I made it clear, but I didn't. Um, yeah, I didn't. That's, I think, the simplest question. But I don't, I think, I don't think it was maybe the best way that my recovery could have started because I think maybe I'd have a more, uh, I think people who go to treatment centers, rehabilitation centers, number one, um, shouldn't be shunned or anything like that. Uh, they're taking steps to fix a problem. Fucking brave human beings, bro. Like amazing people. That's number one. Number two, I think that their recovery uh, is built on stronger foundation than somebody who, like me, just kind of stumbles into it. You know what I mean? So I didn't, but um, if you feel like you may need to, I'd recommend it, bro. You, like, I've only heard great things. About some treatment centers. Like maybe do your research. And if you want any advice, if that's why you're asking, holler at me. Uh, if you're asking just for curiosity, that's also cool. These are cool things to be curious about. Uh, next one. What's the toughest thing about being a recovering addict? Um, the toughest thing about being a recovering addict? I'm going to be honest, bro. I can't. I don't, let me, let me, let me try and think about it. But let me first say that I probably don't think of, of it in that way because um, I've gained so much from this program that like, I've, like my life is like, like so much better, bro. So much better. I think maybe the toughest thing is actually the step work. That's probably it. <laughs> the whole, like, I still see it as homework. <laughs> I still see it as homework. I still see it as tedious. Um, but it has to be done. I'm probably not the greatest at it. But uh, yeah, I do it. <laughs> Maybe not great. <laughs> That's the toughest thing, the step work. So step work, as I said, is like with every step, you'll get like... Um, let me give you an example of step work, actually. So for step one, these are the kinds of questions that you'll, you'll, you'll get um, accompanying the work that you need to do or accompanying the um the 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 step so step one uh exercises uh some of them what do you want to change so you write down all these kinds so they give you like kind of examples what do you want to change so remember step one is are you a bit fucked or initially in the original uh 12 step program uh we admitted that we were powerless over our addiction that our lives have become unmanageable so so in this what do you want to change is it drinking? Is it being unable to put my phone down for an hour? Is it self-harm? Is it going out with inappropriate men? Is it thinking negative thoughts about myself? Is it lying? Is it heroin? Come on. How many examples do you need, nigga? <laughs> you didn't say nigga. 
I added it. But you, you see how easy it is to ad lib off? Like, this book is fucking dope, bro. I, I'd recommend it to anybody who, 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 who feels like they could change something. Anything. It doesn't have to be addiction in such drastic terms as mine. Um, but he says, yeah, come on. How many examples do you need? I can't do this for you, you know? And it's like, all right, cool. That's one out of like maybe 40 things that you have to do. 40, 50 things that you have to do. And that one alone is like maybe two pages. Where, or maybe a full A4 page. Like full, like left to right. Everything. Um, if you're doing it correctly. Like you really, like you gotta, you gotta dig deep. Like I remember the, like when I did it, uh, my sponsor was like, this is a great first attempt. Like I haven't seen a more thorough first attempt in a long time, but you're still leaving things out. And I was like, bro, I've been as exhaustive, as honest as I can be. And he was right. There was still shit that I could put in about what I want to change. And when I got all of that down, do you know how great it was? Because now I have visual and real representation of what I know I have to change. Everything, all the fucking nitty gritty things. Small little white lies that you tell. That no, they're not necessary. Or they they may be necessary to keep up the perception of yourself that you have cultivated. Well, fuck that perception, bro. It ain't fucking worth it. Throw that shit aside. You are who you are. Completely. You have to be. So yeah, man. Those are examples of the of the of the step work. So yeah, that's that's the toughest part about being a recovering addict. Uh the next one. It's a two-part question. One, do you consider weed a drug? Wait, hold on. I can't read the whole thing. I have to like go to the share response thing. Okay. So do you consider weed a drug? That's the first part of the question. And then the second part is, if not, do you still smoke? If so, why? If, if not, do I still smoke? If so, why? So if I smoke, why? Or are you asking if I do consider weed? I'll answer both. So do I consider weed a drug? Yes. Um, so if not, is not maybe the question I would answer. Um, if so, why? So why do I consider weed a drug? Because it is a drug. Do I consider it like detrimental, bad, that kind of shit? It's, de- it's dependent, bro. Just like all drugs are. Like I was listening, uh, I, I had an episode and I'll link it in the in the in, in in the bio but it was an episode about this dude named Dr. Carl Hart and he uses recreational drugs and he actually advocates that they'd improve the quality of life for people so there are arguments to be made that me being a um, abuser of drugs drugs are detrimental to me but maybe in the right dosages for other people I'm never even going to consider it myself but for other people who knows? They might be, might be good. So, do I consider weed inherently bad because it's a drug? No. Um, do I still smoke? No. Have I thought about smoking, or have I ever like had a definitive no, I can't smoke kind of moment? Yeah, initially I thought no, I can't smoke because I want to take this seriously. And then eventually just through meeting people in the program and shit like that, just like how people cope with different shit or whatever. Um, yeah, people smoke, bro. People who've been sober for fucking decades smoke. Smoke weed, bro. I don't see it as detrimental to them. And it's never to me, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I've never seen it as 
a detrimental drug to me. It's never, it's never been the one that caused issues. But what I do now is I ask myself a lot of questions before I do anything. So if I'm going to smoke, why am I smoking? Why do I feel the need to smoke now? And there's never been a strong enough reason to smoke. One of the big reasons I didn't smoke when I started when I started in the program and just up until now was just I liked having to face my problems head on, my issues head on. I, I liked having a clear head. I loved it more than anything in the world. I loved it. I was intoxicated by it. So why would I give that up and not even know why? It sounds like I'm relapsing. Just immediately sounds that way. So, for me, no. Um, I, recently, though, recently I've been I've been playing with the idea of edibles, but um, of late that that's been my kind of stance. It's just it's come back to the original stance, and I'm very happy for it because I think it might have been a dangerous. Like we made it this far, bro. Like, hey, hey. So yeah, that's the second one. Um, next one, do you have... Was that second or third? That was third. Third, yeah. So fourth, uh, do you have any friends who have died from addiction? Yes. I can't go into too much detail at all. But um, I've lost friends. Like, I've lost friends, family. Um... Yeah, I have. Yeah, that's a simple answer. Um, what was your rock bottom? I think I've already described it, but I'll save the rock bottom just just for um, simplicity or just so that you, you, you understand. The rock bottom was seeing somebody living a life that I could be living, but I was choosing not to. And just recognizing what that said about me. Or just at least starting that thought process. And like not, for, for once, not running away from it. Which, maybe the thought and what it was saying about me was a rock bottom. But maybe that's where, like as rock bottom, like you get what I mean. Like there's only no, there's only one way but up. So you hit that bottom, like the slumps, like you're a fucking... You're a waste. You're disgusting. You're not worth it. You're just oh fuck it. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> okay, I got a bit, got a bit. <laughs> but yeah, then from there, the positivity slowly started creeping in. Like, whoa, wait, bro. What what's so fucked about your life that you can't fix it? And that's where she started turning around. So next. Please describe the feeling that the drugs gave you and why you enjoyed it at that is it at that time or okay I'm going to read it again. Please describe the feelings that the drugs gave you and why you enjoyed it at the time. I think I did so but I'll do it again. Um it was that feeling of like confidence that I described earlier. That was a big one and um the feeling of maybe freedom. So both of those are false senses. Because I'm obviously trapped by the drug, so I'm not free. Um, and um, convincing myself that I'm confident. 
Like the drug has managed to convince me that I'm confident. So on both of those, the things that I really enjoyed about drugs were false. Not to say that I didn't enjoy them. And that's what's scary. That's what scares the shit out of me. Maybe not scares me anymore because I understand it. So, but at the same time, I'm very, very cognizant of, it just takes, takes a few slip ups, bro. That's all it is. Like they call it, they call it relapsing before you actually relapse. Like you start making justification. Like that would have been my relapse. Like if I'd convinced myself that I can smoke or I can do this or I can do that on false pretenses and slowly I would have already started relapsing. So yeah, that's probably probably that that that's i think a decent answer and the last question was what was one of the biggest challenges you faced on your journey of recovery so i think the biggest challenge that i've probably faced um has been i mean there's no two ways about it bro it's definitely um a relationship i'm going to try and not describe it too much because like anybody who is in in any way shape or form familiar will be able to suss it out but um and that's not what this podcast is about but a relationship that was irrecoverably well let me not say irrecoverably because that would say that things aren't redeemable that's not that i i cannot believe that things or people are not redeemable based on my own experiences based on the experiences that i've had in the na program like bro if you if you knew half the things that I've heard people come back from, like you would, you like, trust me, you'll be okay. If you're listening to this and you don't, you maybe don't think you'll be okay, holla at me. You'll be okay, my dog. Real talk. Holla at me. I'm here. I'm here. I don't say it in vain. Anybody who knows silently, I'm there. Niggas know. If you know, you know. I'm here. Holla at me. But yeah. Um, so yeah, like it, it is like maybe it just takes time or whatever. But um, a friend abused trust. Um, yeah, that's the big thing. That's it. Like nothing more. Friend abuse trust in like the pro the the worst the worst possible way. And I think it taught me a lot that I probably have like it's lessons that you learn in recovery. It's just like they tell yet again I'm gonna say they tell they tell you people, places and things. And they say, don't see the same people, don't go to the same places, don't do the same things. And don't go to the same places. Pretty simple. For some, if you're really about it, about it, if you're about this life, then it's pretty simple. Don't go to the same places. It's cool. Don't do the same things. Well, obviously, dog. <laughs> Doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that. But where it gets tricky is... Don't see the same people because some of these people aren't inherently, most of these people, like people have, people have a misconception of drug addicts, I believe at the very least, or of addicts, 
all addicts are not these evil, fucking selfish, destructive people in, in, innately. Like, that's all they are. In fact, no addict, I probably, maybe, maybe they are, I don't know. But I, th- I don't think the majority of addicts are like that. I think that this disease is powerful and what it does to people um, is powerful. And, and powerful in a negative way. I just want to say that. And so being on the other side, and on the other side, I just mean recovery. Not, I'm not an addict anymore. I think I need to make that abundantly clear. I'm a recovering addict. There's active addicts and recovering addicts. Um, you have to have sympathy for the still suffering addict. But how far does that sympathy go? How far does your engagement, how far are you involved? So it was a lesson I had to learn. You just have to kind of let people do as they are. Or you get burnt by an addict. And you can't be angry at the addict for burning you. Like the nigga, you know. <laughs> like that's the thing. You know. You understand it. You get it. And I know now. So yeah. Um, a friend taking advantage of the trust. Uh, that I had in him but yet again I'll say I don't really I, I hold him accountable because everybody in this world regardless if you're an addict or not just like I am is held accountable to their actions but I understand but it still was like it was it was fuck it fucked me up for a while I'm not gonna lie to you still fucked me up. I'm not going to lie to you. Like a little bit. <laughs> not a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Not as much. Because um, I have way more understanding about it. The whole situation and everything. But yeah. So yeah, those are the questions, guys. And I think that's me wrapping up that portion of the podcast. Um, to be honest, bro. Like, I think I needed that. I think I needed to, to get, that, get that off. I definitely needed to get that off. Um, that's one part of what I was saying. The other part is we are heading into my favorite part of the podcast. And oh my God, I can't express this to you guys enough. This album is like, it might be, it's up there with my favorite albums of all time. It's by Riley Ritchie. Who is Grey Worm in, in Game of Thrones. Also a recovering addict. Just embodies the majority of what I feel when I describe or think about my addiction. But in such be- beautiful fucking music, bruh. Oh my god, tomorrow I'm actually going to play snippets. The whole, the whole, after I post a podcast on Instagram, I'm going to play snippets of every song on that album because that fucking album is so incredible. I remember hearing it the first time. I'm not even going to get into that because it's going to make me sad and I'm on a good spirit right now. But yeah, the album's name is You're a Man Now Boy. So it's a you're it's you're a man now, comma boy. Which can also be read boy, you're a man now. 
And there's a song where he's like, you're a man now, boy, you're a man now, boy, you're a man now, boy, you're a man. So it's like, I'm not growing up, I'm aging, my mind is incarcerated to the source. You're a man now, boy. Oh. This, oh, Jesus Christ. It gives me goosebumps. I've been listening to it on repeat. Um, probably since even last week. It always has its moments where it's just not too far. His, his music just speaks to me in a way that it's difficult for music. No, let me not say it's difficult for music to hit, but like, it's just on a whole other level. Like, Rally Richie, if, if if you're hearing this, bro, I don't know, like, if you get the plaudits that you deserve musically. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I would hope so. Because the music that you make is so fucking personal. So, another thing. He named himself. So, his actual name is Jacob Anderson. I feel like I'm outing him. Because, like, that's what he goes as by, as Graham. But I saw an interview where... They asked him, like, so why are you called Rally Richie? And it was something about a character in a movie. Uh, and he combined, he combined that with, like, something else. So I can't remember. It was, like, two, two of his favorite characters or two characters in a movie. And he combined their names to create Rally Richie. But the, why he uses a pseudonym in terms of his music is because his music is so personal that it feels like if you directly attribute it to him, you know way too much about him. And it feels that way. Because even me saying that that music... Like, okay, obviously I just had a podcast. I don't even know how long this podcast is. But I just had a podcast where I just laid out a lot of my... Um, dealings with abuse, uh, with drug abuse, alcohol abuse, addiction, recovery. Not really recovery. We didn't really get into that too much. We did. We got into... But, like, not the actual, like, ins and outs and nitty gritties. And we'll do that another time. We'll also get into the beginning of my addiction another time and we'll get into just other shit bro you guys will let me know what you guys want to hear about addiction it won't be a regular thing though like every now and then we'll do something like this but as i said this is a very important day for me so it had to come out today but yeah like i was saying bro really richie i don't know if you get the fucking plaudits that you deserve bro i don't know but personally as somebody who listens to your music i'm fucking grateful guys did I say I'm grateful and thank you? I didn't say thank you. Thank you for this incredible music. Guys, we have reached the end of the podcast. If you have listened up until this point, especially with this episode, then fuck it. You're like family, dude. Like, I can't even say I really fuck with you like I normally do. You're like family. Uh, I really would love to hear from you. Uh, yeah, man. I'm in very positive spirits. I hope you are too. I hope. I hope that my just little period of little introspection, reflection, and just. Like that was a lot of looking to the past. And the rest of this month is normally a period for me to look to the future. There's things that are looking upwards for me. Um. It's looking good. It's looking good. But big thing that I've learned in this about myself 
is I cannot be complacent because what's good today ain't good tomorrow. Like Fat Joe says, tomorrow's, today's price is not tomorrow's price. <laughs> guys, guys, until the next time, I bid you adieu and I'll see you soon.